listening to The Lit Lounge, a podcast for readers and book lovers. Join us, a group of friends, English teachers and bookworms, as we chat about our love of all things literary and share our reading habits. Welcome back to The Lit Lounge. Woohoo! And uh, and welcome back to what is nearly uh, our two um, hundredth listen thing. You know what I mean? Over two hundred people have listened to our podcast now, and it's very exciting. Wow, wow, we I know uh, it's crazy. really really exciting. So thank you so much for your engagement and your participation. Thank you also to people who've been responding to our polls and to our questions. So if you listen on Spotify, uh, you can actually take part in episodes by responding to polls or questions related. Um, to what we're talking about uh so we've had um a couple of people respond with comments about books that really change their lives uh, or change their perspective on reading and uh, some great texts were mentioned we had um it ends with us by colleen hoover and uh kind of really a very diverse range so another um text that was mentioned was i know where the cage bird sings by Maya angelou so um both fantastic reads worth uh worth having um a look at both of those uh and yes we are now back and buoyed on by your continued enthusiasm and engagement for uh reading and for listening to us talk all about reading with a particularly specially themed episode and laura in this uh this week was particularly inspired um by uh, events in the news. Uh, yeah, so this week the Oscar nominations came out on Tuesday. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a really interesting list for the best adapted screenplay this year, uh, including Dune, which we've mentioned on here before. Yeah. So taking inspiration from that, we decided to have a look at book-to-screen adaptations and are some of the ones that we've really enjoyed yeah, Laura's kind of convinced us about this because she's our resident kind of film guru. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. But, uh, Got yeah. the turban on, doing your thing. <laughs> and we've actually just watched a film in here as well. So yeah. uh, anybody want to start off? What were you watching, actually? I'm just intrigued. What were you watching well, in the film club? Actually, we were, talking, we were watching a film that we've talked about before, which was Miss Peregrine's for peculiar children oh yeah inspiration yeah i haven't read the book to that one but uh, i know you have rose yeah have you seen the film um yeah a little while ago it wasn't as memorable as the books i've got to say yeah i've heard there's quite a few changes Mm. to the film but i still enjoyed it it's a bit creepy in places actually Mm. it raises a philosophical question doesn't it at what point is an adaptation not an adaptation anymore like how little or much can you take from a book Mm. before it becomes something in its own right yeah Yeah. you start changing Mm. it tweaking it and making it your own yeah or if like and i know that i said i was going to briefly mention this later but a game of thrones that he stopped writing the books yeah. to focus on the, the screenplays so is it still an adaptation yeah. is it yeah it's like original so, screenplay then i guess isn't yeah it? exactly it's well, a lot of pressure as well isn't it i think i'd be if i were a director mm. i'd be really kind of scrutinizing every move i made and every choice i made mm. well i think as well so many readers get so possessive over the book yeah. don't they and you end up getting a lot of backlash if you do end up changing things mm. yeah um, so i guess that must be really hard yeah. Yeah, you can't let that get in your head, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. just have to give 
give the best you can, give the best version you can of that story. Yeah, the way you see it. Yeah, because someone's trusted you with that job, or you've taken that job because you feel like you can do <laughs> don't, it. Don't so. let the imposter syndrome. Get, yeah, that get, is, yeah. yeah, that's not a job you can have imposter syndrome. <laughs> I suppose you have to see it as like a separate entity entirely, don't you? This is the film, yeah. and then that's the book, and then mm. they're both their own works of art, really. Mm. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to look at it, to be honest, because as soon as you start comparing which I know is what we're going to do and it's an important thing to do <laughs> but as soon as you really do start to like kind of compare with a serious like of way of, sort of judging or scrutinizing them then like no one really comes out on top really it's nice to kind of talk about them both as different medium yeah mm. of like exploring the same concepts exploring the same characters but in very different ways which is nice yeah which I guess you have to do when it becomes visual because when you're reading it you obviously have your you can make up whatever things, but then yeah. when it comes to the film, you t- tend to become a bit more limited, especially if it's, like, fantasy. Yeah, exactly. You, your imagination can really run away with you as well, can't it? Because mm. I remember when I was um, in my teens reading Harry Potter, I remember thinking that Hagrid, in my head, my my Hagrid is bald. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the descriptions of Hagrid are the exact opposite of that. But, like, for some reason he just had this big bushy beard and a bald head. I wonder if he was, like, based on anyone, like, yeah, in my psyche. Yeah. Well, when I read it, I thought it was Hagrid. And uh, I said that right up until I read or Hermione. the film. Hermione. Yeah, Hermione. I only <laughs> realised that when... Because doesn't... Like, Crumb, Crumb is told how to say her name or something. And like, yeah. yeah. That was when I learned how to say You're her like, name. Oh. <laughs> that way. Okay. You couldn't get away with doing the film, being the director of the films and calling her Hermione. Hermione and Hagrid. I feel like you've got a bit more, like... But if people come back to you with things as an author as well, you can kind of get away with it. Like, if people come back and say, oh, I thought Hermione was like this, then you can say, well, well, she is like that. That's exactly how I imagined her. And then yeah. someone else can say, well, I thought she was like that. Well, that's exactly how I imagined her. Whereas <laughs> yeah. as soon as they're kind of placed on a screen, then you're stuck, aren't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, sorry, it's Emma Watson. Yeah. You can't get away from that. Yeah, yeah. actually, you're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like Harry Potter is probably one of those big hitters where people are really upset about certain mm. screen-to-film adaptations. I feel like there's a lot of talk yeah. around that one. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, hold, everyone who loves that book like holds it really dear to them. Yeah, and it's just so yeah. impossible to get everything from the books in, which I think is why so many films kind of don't blow up like people mm. just sort of go oh I'm not sure it quite captured what everything that I had in my head when I was reading yeah. it yeah mm. because you, you do you have to cherry pick don't you because yeah, when course. you think about how much you can put in a book and you're not limited by anything in a book mm. really there's no kind of I think publishers don't don't go right it's got to be 700 pages and that's yeah. that like it, you get to tell your story in your own way and that's not something that directors really or not many directors have the luxury of doing i know kind of now you get like <laughs> feature these massive epics of directors yeah. cuts and that yeah. sort of thing but most directors especially if you've got an adaptation there's so many external limitations that you just don't have as an author that that creativity is commercialized almost and that can hamper it as well mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of films that are like eight days long now aren't they yeah like you're yeah. sat in the cinema thinking oh I really need the loo yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the rise yeah. of the of the tv series now isn't it like the rise of the tv yeah, series true. so that you can have the loo breaks between yeah exactly. the 10 hours of action yeah snack break yeah. <laughs> I think June's really interesting and a really interesting one though because it actually that is a really good film 
It's a mm. really good film in its own right, and the book's great, but the film does kind of stand up. It's not relying on the success of the book to be great. Like, it really stands up yeah. on its own, really. I feel like it had a lot to live up to, didn't it? Because it's obviously already had one adaptation, mm. which a lot of people really loved. So, you know, there was big... There was a lot of nerves around what the new one was going to be like. Yeah. I, was, I thought you said a lot of nerds then. <laughs> I mean, there was as well. Uh, <laughs> Maybe well. both, yeah. But they were, so, they were so confident, weren't they, that they started kind of preparing for a sequel. The way it's written, it's, it's mm. designed for a sequel. So they were so confident it was going to be successful that they sort of started preparing for that, even though they didn't have the money, it hadn't been greenlit or anything like that. So mm. I think that in itself shows how sure they were that they they managed to get it right which is exciting really yeah because we haven't had anything like this in quite a while i don't think so yeah i can't think of the last last epic like my head is like pre-potter and post-potter yeah like how many years pp i feel i do feel like it kind of is a i don't know this would be like sacrilegious to say this but it kind of if you think back to Lord of the Rings mm. and that sort of trilogy, that was set up as this massive franchise that was coming. Mm. That was a trilogy. And I think that's the same with Peter Jackson that he had. He, obviously, he had all three because there was three books. But, you know, whilst the first one was being made, they were getting ready for the next one, mm. filming it all sort of yeah. as one big thing, weren't they? Because they were released. It was like 2001, 2002, 2003 or something. They were in fairly quick succession. And when you look at the technology that they were using at the time and the the way that those films were constructed mm. they had they had to have been filmed like that because you just wouldn't have been able to churn them out that quickly mm. so again yeah that's that kind of confidence is it's great and like the lord of the rings films are fantastic so it's obviously that confidence is fairly well placed which is good i think i saw something on uh social media the other day of like how um Oh, what's his name? The guy who plays Aragorn? Oh, uh, Vincent. V- Vigo Mortensen? Yeah, Martensen. yeah, yeah we got yeah. that. <laughs> Old Vincent. <laughs> yeah, that's well, American he, name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what he goes by at home. Um, he's now the same age as um, Ian McKellen was when he was playing Gandalf, and people wow. were like, wow. w- like blown away, yeah. like crazy that yeah. it's been like that amount of time it's and... just it's so weirdly timeless isn't it like um there was a, a feature in total film magazine i think it was um a couple of months ago that was daniel radcliffe and uh Frodo baggins elijah wood that's the one mm-hmm. uh, both of them talking about it being sort of 20 years or something since they'd done their since they sort of started their franchises Scary. Just, mm. and both of them i mean daniel radcliffe doesn't perhaps look as youthful as he did at the start of Harry Potter, but mm. I feel like Elijah Wood, aside from a little bit of stubble, looks identical. Yeah. It's really weird. Face. To, yeah, just to think that these people, like he was 18 or 19 or something when he first started Lord of the Rings, and no Daniel way. Radcliffe, yeah, he's really, really that. young. He's much older than um, that. Uh, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is was what eleven or eleven. twelve, three or months old, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great actor yeah. for that age to be fair. <laughs> just painted a scar on and then just whacked it and covered under the stairs. To, <laughs> yeah, that's method acting for yeah. you. <laughs> Sorry. What I do though is that how much this is just my thought process now. How alike those two are, like yeah. they're always put together, aren't they? As like twins, if you think about them two side by side. Mm. Yeah, they are quite similar. Cosmexy. Have you ever seen them in the same room? No, I have um. not. I've never seen either of them in the room. But... 
Yeah, watch, watch Lord of the Rings again. You'll see Frodo rubbing his head a lot, and, uh, and <laughs> Harry always has a problem getting into his shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't read. Um, I've got to be honest. I haven't read the uh, the trilogy, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Um, I've read the Hobbit, and I love that. Mm. But I know that it's very different, and I'm not sure yeah. that I have. The attention span for the stamina a of that. I think, yeah. Well, I didn't like The Hobbit that much. I really struggled through that, and that was a long time ago. I read that, so that could be why I was just a lot younger. But I, and Lord of the Rings took me maybe six times before I could actually get past the first chapter. Oof. But actually, it's amazing when you get into mm. it, like the level of detail that he has gone into to create this world. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's why Peter Jackson's adaptation is so successful, because he's gone into so much detail yeah. and used yeah. so much, like, both, like, CGI, but then just tricks of the camera as well to to establish that world. Um, mm. And it's so nice mm. to... That's what's really lovely. That's when you know you've got a successful adaptation, I think, and that idea of kind of art in its own right, but both kind of respecting the same concept and the same ideas and I think it's that level of respect that a director has for the original mm. source material you can mm. tell he loves the books oh yeah, when yeah watching definitely the movies. Yeah. yeah and I had um growing up we had the um the kind of the extended edition dvds that had so it's like two dvds for the film and then six dvds of behind the scenes content <laughs> where you just watch a bunch of people getting latex ears put on and like yeah. watching uh peter jackson interviewing everyone and driving around um around the studios like on a little golf cart and all that sort of thing and that was my first lord of the rings was my first real understanding of what it means to make a film or what it means to look behind a film set mm. and i remember watching those dvds i remember being ill and being home from school for a, a couple of weeks and watching all of those DVDs, those um, behind-the-scenes DVDs back-to-back and watching how films were made and how costumes were made and props were designed and sets were put together and thinking, this is amazing! This is so cool! And there's just so much love and care and attention that goes into it and like the, the commitment and the camaraderie of all these people to come together and create this this world that started out inside someone's head is just awesome. Is that why yeah. you're wearing a Legolas costume at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Does blonde suit me? <laughs> uh, but just going back to what we were saying earlier about television series, like obviously this, I don't know if it's out now, is there's a new Lord of the Rings series. Mm. So that'll be interesting to see. Obviously with the series they can bring even more detail in because they can spread that out. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it yeah. as well. And whether, because I feel like the, it was really clear, like you said, that the love was really clear with the film adaptation. So whether that love is there in the TV series as well, would be really nice to see. I've got, like, one of my best friend, friends is a, a massive Lord of the Rings fan. She absolutely loves it. But I've got to admit, it just, it wasn't for me. Like, I just found it, like, the hilarity, yeah. you know, of everybody jumping. Like, the very uh, kind of undertones of kind of homoeroticism yeah. and, like, Gimli jumping in the beds. Yeah. And I, don't, I just, yeah, for me, it didn't quite, um, it didn't quite win me over, but... I can yeah. see that the people who love it, like, really have... Like, they're diehard, aren't they? They oh, learn el- Elvish? Elvin? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to say now, I'm gonna, this is a big admission, but... So, <laughs> and I went... At university, I did Welsh and Celtic languages, um, or studied that for a little bit, and uh, I did submit a dissertation proposal for my undergraduate 
which I ended up not doing. I did Shakespeare instead, but <laughs> I did submit a dissertation for a dissertation proposal for my undergraduate year, um, doing uh, connections between Welsh and Cinder and Elvish. Wow. And I had the alphabet. I knew I could speak it like fairly. Can you, can you give us something now? No, it was a long time ago, and I've wiped that part of my memory. But <laughs> I do, denying that part of you. I do have books at home where I've written out. I remember writing out. Um, this is kind of this is so sad. Romeo and Juliet shared sonnet in Cinder and Elvish. Oh, I have that's it. amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, you say yeah. it's amazing. I feel like it's amazing. Like you would look at a specimen in a jar and go, "That's amazing." <laughs> Wouldn't touch it. Back away. It's near <laughs> central, but I love it. <laughs> but isn't that amazing that like those books came from somebody's head and they've yeah. made people yeah. like you like absolutely like besotted with them. Yeah. Almost, mm-hmm. may I say, obsessive. <laughs> not just yeah, one language exactly. like several languages that have yeah. regional dialects and things and how someone's head can do yeah, that it's amazing it's a, it's, a, it's a feat isn't it yeah it really is but like even in the books the way that they, they write it with like the calligraphy it's just beautiful isn't it that's mm. I think that's another draw of the book as well like the maps at the start and then the the, yeah. the language like it just looks visually stunning so maybe I need to give it a go it. now that I and it's linked to Welsh, so... Exactly. Yeah. You, you kind of have to. You live in Wales, then... I feel like you guys are selling it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I might give that a go and let you know in the weeks to come how I find it. Update coming. Yeah. <laughs> no sonnets, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I think you should bring that in and, like, display it somewhere yeah. in the apartment. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much uh, flack I'll get for... Having that up, that's another level of nerd. I know that everyone knows I'm a nerd. Own, own the nerd. nerd. Own yeah, the I love nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Beth, what have you? Uh, what have you got? Uh, so mine, um, kind of the one that has always stuck with me because I remember again writing about it quite a bit at university. Actually, it was the Hunger Games. Um, the Hunger Games adaptation is fantastic, but actually, I think it's a great. Uh, example of why you should look at films and books as separate works of art that kind of um, both express the same sort of sentiments but in different ways and the main reason for that is the fact that those books are written in first person and Katniss Mm -hmm. goes through such horrific events in her life and, and, and her world is thrown into turmoil so many times and the decisions that she makes are quite often impulsive and then she's kind of dealing with the aftermath in her head afterwards and and you really get that sense in the books and I think actually I've I've reread them a couple of times and and you really get that sense especially in the later um like Mockingjay you really get that sense of her being traumatized and mm-hmm. that coming through and there's kind of a numbness in the way that she approaches things and and if you look at her character in book three compared to book one she's she's developed so much and been impacted by everything that's happened so much and that's and it's such a personal story like I remember I'm not someone who kind of cries a lot at literature but I found the ending of the of Mockingjay being just so harrowing and so kind of just really raw like emotionally and I'm not saying you don't get that with the films you do but I don't think you get it to the same extent at all I think it's a much more personal and emotional kind of journey in those books whereas the films like fantastic spectacle like, I never imagined the Hunger Games to be 
the way they kind of were in the films. And when I saw that, I'm kind of, I'm almost grateful to that because then when I went back and reread the books, I almost, I, I imagined further than I had sort of the first time round. They just, in my head, they were a bit more sort of rough and ready and less professional. Yeah. Whereas, mm. um, and I don't think that's what Suzanne Collins was trying to get at. I think actually she wanted it to be more like the films and she was the screenwriter, I think, for the films and the producer for the films. So again, that love is there just through different um, different media. And that kind of glossy finish and like even just the way that... Um, oh, what's the, what's the guy's name? The Game Maker. Um, is it the Game Maker? That has the beard. Yeah. yeah. In the film, he's got that fantastic yeah, no, beard. Yeah, I can't make his name. Yeah. yeah, and like that visually... That says so much about that society and the way the capital, they're all dressed and the way that fashion is similar but slightly different. Yeah, like the it, film really highlights the spectacle yeah, of it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Think, more and than the, the book perhaps does. Yeah. Mm. And it's such... Uh, and, and the characters, like the, the, the casting and everything, I think is is really quite spot on for... Mm. For what I was thinking, anyway, and and it, but yeah, you're right. It's that spectacle. It definitely highlights that spectacle, and like the interviews beforehand, and the uncomfortable mm. silences, yeah. and kind of the that sort of faking it feeling that they they've got the the real facade of things being okay and not, and then the that facade cracking, and and that's that's that impacted me much more in the films than it did in the book. So I yeah I I really really like both of them. I think that it's a fantastic adaptation. My favourite was Lenny Kravitz. I love Lenny Kravitz in that film. <laughs> He's great. He's such a good character. What's his name? The character. Um, oh, um, Sir, S- Sin- not Sinner. No. Something like that, isn't it? But I thought he was a really good choice for that role. Like, yeah. Supporting uh, Katniss. And, and he's oh, so fashionable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she needs that, doesn't she? There's, there's, in yeah. that book, you just... What, you I desperate you for fashion, though. Oh, right, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Up the game. <laughs> no, I feel like she needs that. Like you're just dying as a reader and as a viewer. Like you're dying for her to have someone who's like just mm, kind, like has something, yeah, yeah hu- humanitarian about them. So. Yeah, who's not jaded and who yeah. isn't like part Fake of the system. And, yeah. yeah, and because he comes from the capital, doesn't he? So I just like that sort of like dual role almost that he's part yeah. of that the system the order or whatever but he is her like he's almost like a confidant isn't he like you know he supports her and she feels comfortable with him and I I um yeah I like that Mm. I um I was going to talk about the goldfinch which is a bit more perhaps not that long ago I don't think I think it came out in the last lockdown maybe um, maybe even just a year ago or two years, two years ago, three years ago. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, quite recent. Um, and yeah, I love this book. I've actually, I loved it so much. I bought it as, as a gift for people as well before, even though I tend not to do that because mm. people feel a little bit preached to, <laughs> <laughs> but I have done. Um, and it's by Donna, Donna Tart, and she is just a beautiful writer. Like her descriptions are, um, like, just out of this world she um it's all about a little boy a little boy called he's 13 um and he goes through it's very early on and it's in the trailer so it's not a spoiler um very early on he's with uh, an art uh, gallery with his mother and there is um this horrific uh, terrorist bombing um so that's how it starts a book off which really you know yeah, hooks you straight away yeah. um and they i don't think in the film they actually kind of big that up as much as you feel the shock of it um, in the book um, but it, it kind of follows him throughout his whole life so it's a 
real um, adventure of kind of him trying to find his belonging. Like his mother is, a, a, she, she's a single mother. He doesn't really know his father. And it's all about, he gets taken in by a, um, a friend's family who are quite wealthy. He doesn't feel like he belongs there. Um, his father kind of suddenly turns up out of nowhere. They, he takes him to Las Vegas. There's all these beautiful, vivid descriptions of Las Vegas kind of desert, um, the wilderness and friendships that he has that come and, and fall away and loves uh, that he, he kind of holds on to. And the main thing I, I really loved about it, like it's about a piece of artwork, which he kind of uh, in a moment of panic takes from the gallery that is uh, rubble by the time he leaves it. Um, and it, the, the descriptions of the things, the like items and the artifacts, because um, when he spends some time with uh, this uh, another person, because he's kind of here, there and everywhere, um, he lives with a, an old man who uh, is an antique dealer and he lovingly restores all this uh, antique furniture. And the descriptions of the, of the antiques and the artwork are just so um, loving, lovingly written that it made me really like want to care for all of my things <laughs> and not spend so much money in Ikea. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of made like the things around us like the sentimentality of the things around us and what they mean to us like the impression that other people put onto those things like if it reminds you of someone that you've then lost it becomes so uh integral to you um and it's all about how that him stealing that that um priceless dutch um piece of piece of art um leads him into like the criminal underworld and um he's just a very lost soul and i really i really loved it i didn't love the book uh, the the film very much though i loved okay, the book i didn't them. love the film I what felt made like, you not love the film as much um i just felt it didn't have that soul hmm. like i didn't feel the attack like the attachment to it was i think what films do so well is like the drama isn't it yeah whereas i don't feel like this book was about drama so mm. much as it was like um our place and like the um re reinvention of people and the redemption of people like yeah. you can't mm. how can you put that into yeah it's a really 2d hard, film I don't know. yeah that when something's so visual like you said it, if a book is talking about how something is so much more than what you can see then if you're using a a medium that's largely about what you can see yeah. yeah it loses that kind of magic really yeah you just can't sense his like you can't understand really in the film i didn't feel like why he takes the painting like he mm. can look at it all he wants and be like all you know <laughs> sad-eyed but yeah. <laughs> i didn't feel like that connection to it so i was a little bit disappointed because i loved the book so much I feel like Donata is one of those kind of writers, though. Like, I haven't read that, but I've read The Secret History. Mm. And that has so much depth to yeah. it. Like, I devoured that book. Yeah, it's on my bookshelf and I haven't read it yet, so I'm going to have oh, to. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I can't... Like, while I can see it, and I think they could make a film of it, and I could see every scene in my head, yeah. I don't know if it would have the same, like, nuances that the book Yeah, the richness does. of the description. yeah. yeah. I mean, she, spent, I, she spends, like, a long time talking about, you know, um, the knobs of old uh, chest of drawers and, like, the <laughs> woodwork and, like, how people put things together <laughs> with, you know, dovetail joints and stuff, yeah. which isn't my bag at all, which surprised me. But it's just... 
I don't know, there's something so um, beautiful about the way mm. she describes it. So, yeah, yeah, that was my pick. Mm. I need to read that one. That sounds really good. Mm. And the book yeah. I'm reading at the moment, it says on the bottom, it says, like Donatarts, oh. there's a secret history. A little nod of the hat. Yeah. What is it? So, what are you reading? Uh, if We Were Villains by M.R. Mm. Rio. It's actually got a beard on the front as well. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Connection. Well, I, I did wonder, like, looking at the painting, because it's a real painting in real life. It's based, like, it's not based on a true story, but it's, like, based on the painting the that painting. she's seen. And yeah. it's the painting, The Goldfinch. Yeah. Oh, so okay. it's called The Goldfinch. Um, and uh, I did think, oh, and oh, I do like a bit of art, but, um, yeah, I'm not a big artist, kind of, you know, all the old painters yeah. and stuff, like mm. Renaissance. And my dad's an artist, but... So I just kind of swoon over a Botticelli or anything. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just, um, yeah, the way it's described is is beautiful. So it did bring the art to life for me as somebody who isn't all that talented when it comes to that, so... I love the I love the idea that she's looked at a painting and, like, this whole story's come from Unfolded in her head. Yeah, Yeah. that's what she does, it's like... Oh, it's just the level of detail. And yeah, I think we're fangirling into. over. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah. I've only read Donatarts. the one book, but yeah, I, I need to read that one. I you think can I've borrow it. it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, until you've written a shared sonnet about uh, about a chest of drawers and uh, a bedside cabinet, then I don't feel like a true fangirl, so get on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of, like, uh, our, our big names. Have we got any honourable mentions in terms of screen adaptations or anything? Any extras? Um, I'll mention, because some of us have read it to our GCSE students, I watched the adaptation of This Is Going To Hit, yesterday's so a bit of non-fiction love it nice. yeah uh so if you don't know it's written by adam Kay, um who was a doctor a obstetrician and it's so nice in real in... life i met him in hay festival he's Did you? so lovely Aww. yeah oh, okay. that's cool he's hilarious yeah he's very down to earth he's so funny but yeah the book is about his time <clears throat> as a registrar on a hospital ward in london i think so i think mm. um and just about every encounter he has with every patient, which is both hilarious and <laughs> yeah. tragic, yeah. and um, and the TV show really does it justice. Oh. So if you if you read it in class, uh, and if you <laughs> sat there embarrassed reading it in class, <laughs> you should definitely watch the TV show. Yeah, if you can yeah. stomach plug. the visuals, then yeah. Go yeah. For it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, there are some visuals. That book actually made me. You were saying that you're not a reader when uh, you're not a crier when you read. Mm. I'm a massive crier yeah. when I read. I, I, there's so many books I, I like to tear <laughs> up over, but that was one of the ones like when I read yeah. the ending of that book even though it's a, it's a non-fiction so you wouldn't think that you get that invested mm-hmm. I was bawling my eyes out yeah I listened to the audiobook which Adam Kay yeah he uh, does it does yeah. yeah and yeah there was something about hearing it in his own words as well yeah. from his own experience like mm. heart-wrenching definitely yeah. it's all very empowering for the NHS as well the whole message is kind of like yeah. it needs to be saved even mm. it's not working as it is but we need to you know keep it and mm. worship it like we're so lucky in this country well I think there's sometimes there's a perception isn't there of doctors and that's what he kind of gets at a lot doesn't he that people take them for granted Mm. and like like I used to work in the NHS and I work with doctors and I love that and they they work their butts off oh yeah Yeah. like they are constantly in work and that's what he really highlights and the nurses as well oh and nurses yeah yeah. yeah, absolutely and and all the staff everyone works there and and it's so 
not to get political, but it is so underfunded, isn't it? And that's yeah. that's what the book is largely about, the struggles that they face. Yeah. Um, even just doing the job, you know, you're helping people who are sick. That's a tough job as it is. Yeah, takes its toll. Yeah. I hope the um, adaptation on TV does... I haven't watched it yet, so I hope it does have that message as well. And kind Definitely. Of, good. I, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. The first two episodes were really um, eye-opening, I think. I've seen the trailer and it looks hilarious. So the trailer yeah. has the scene that... Uh, so I listened to most of the audiobook and... Since becoming a parent, I have not listened to the rest. <laughs> I'll be honest, yeah. but um, but the particular there's the scene um, there's a kind of a really graphic scene that sticks in my head mm-hmm. of him with a woman on a yes. hospital bed being like trawled through a <laughs> a corridor, um, sort of while her husband is stood there thinking, "What on earth is this?" <laughs> and if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. If you yeah. haven't, then you need to read it because you you need to read it to believe it. And that is the opening scene of the show as well. Oh, is it? And it's oh, the right. first scene you see. It's yeah. a peak moment in the book as well. It so yeah, it really really is. It's like a laugh out loud moment. <laughs> yeah, book, isn't it? it really is. It it's really like is. a laugh Not out loud moment. No, like mega Schadenfreude there. Like, <laughs> 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 um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions. So Cinder from the Lunar Chronicles, or actually all of the Lunar Chronicles that I mentioned in our first episode, has now been greenlit, picked up for a film, which is very exciting. Mm. So I'm very excited to see how they do Mrs. Cyborg Sarah. Cinderella. Yeah, animatronic. Uh, yep. Cyborg mechanic Cinderella in New Beijing. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah, a few people actually have have reached out and said that they've bought it since uh, our first episode. Oh, very cool. Starting a a movement for Cyborg Cinderella. Yeah. It's so good. It is good. And it's quite an easy read as well. It's not not too sort of taxing. Um, And then I do, of course, have to mention one of my favourite films of all time, which is technically an adaptation, sort of, because it, it pays homage to Shakespeare, but it's Bill and it's made. Yeah. It, it's, have you seen Bill? Bill? You've seen Bill? Yeah, yeah. It's like one of my favourite films of all time. I love it so much. <laughs> we watched that just before. I, me and my husband watched that just before Christmas, I think. Oh, it's so Amazon funny. Prime. Like, it, every time I watch it, it just gets funnier. It's so good. <laughs> like, so it's one of those films that you can, in, you can watch it and you can um, enjoy it if you don't know that much Shakespeare it's entertaining enough it's, it's made by the Horrible Histories guy so it's it is funny and you know Matthew Bainton plays um Bill and yeah it's all kind of the regular cast um and there's a there's a kind of a, a storyline you can follow that's fairly straightforward but if you know your Shakespeare there's so many easter eggs in there and so many jokes and like there's a band called Mortal Coil that keeps saying they're going to shuffle off it just really <laughs> makes me <laughs> chuckle so it's full of dad jokes like horrible history yeah, yeah but it, it reminds us of what Shakespeare's actually all about like he sat with um, uh, what's his name Mar- Jacob Marlowe not Jacob Marlowe Christopher, Christopher Marlowe that's the one Jacob Marlowe oh, Chris yeah, yeah and he's like um, what do you write about Chris oh, I write about the human condition and all these things and then they say what do you write about Bill mainly bum jokes <laughs> yes that's exactly yeah. it that's what Shakespeare is and that's why he's so great because he writes about bum jokes <laughs> yeah. uh, it's such a good film and you need to watch it The Horrible Histories crew are just amazing aren't they oh they're that awesome TV show they've got ghosts as well yeah so, so good yeah we were saying before filming about like uh learning the uh the royalties what was it richard richard 
Oh, William, 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 William. Henry Stephen, Henry yeah. Richard John. That's yeah. like a real like yes, you've you've really achieved in your life if you know that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not there yet. I know. I know people who said they've you know they've got good marks in their history GCSEs just because they've learned that song. <laughs> I'm sure, my sister learned it for a history GCSE. My sister's definitely got it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, I was gonna kind of honourable mention from me about. Um, uh, lemony snickets uh oh, not yeah. the i i did i've seen the um the series unfortunate event series and i did kind of, i did like that um it's kind of got that moody atmosphere and i think um patrick neil patrick harris neil yeah. patrick harris is really good in yeah it. he is um he really kills it but um i read um Poison for Breakfast by Lemony Snicket a little while back, which is his newest one. And it's so clever. Like, he is the same kind of uh, protagonist. Um, and just really, really clever for young young kids could read that and really think about some massive philosophical ideas um, really cleverly. It's only short, but it's really cleverly like little bits of um literature are kind of dropped in and alluded to that kids could mm. then at the back there's this little um index of things that he refers to that oh, they can that like go really in cool. and like find and research and that's really nice i hope they kind of think about maybe making that into something it would only be like a little short one off but i just um yeah the character of lemony snicket is just such a Hmm. such a cool one isn't it mm, yeah very like dry and uh really unique witty. i think as yeah. well if there's anything out there that's quite like it and it's quite cynical as well yes and, and i think actually that can appeal to some some people who don't like the big fantasy worlds and don't like that Romance sort of thing yeah it just and yeah the emos out there it's like the world <laughs> are there still emos i don't know if they <laughs> exist anymore <laughs> showing my age <laughs> the goths <laughs> yeah. I'm still there at heart. I think. Yeah. Okay. to Laura. I was the Marshall. That was what I was called. Oh, right. the day. Yeah. yeah. The big fringe. The big yeah. fringe in the MySpace account. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Photos from above. <laughs> but yeah, I did love that. So uh, I hope they do have a look at getting it out there on TV. Do you? Yeah, mm. that sounds great. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's our kind of roundup and our response to the Oscar nominations uh, this week and um, and everything kind of uh, page and screen related. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for listening again. Um, remember, you can obviously uh, subscribe to us on all your favourite podcasting channels and uh, get involved with the conversation on social media too. We've got um, we've got a poll out at the moment that is asking what you kind of want to listen to in our next couple of episodes and currently a bookish q a is mm. topping the poll so if you do have any kind of book related questions about um to kind of ask us like how we got into reading what our favorite books are favorite authors any kind of guilty pleasure reads recommendations or, for certain specifics yeah first dates or yeah, yeah. like an, an, an agony aunt kind of situation <laughs> yeah. um then uh, then please get in touch obviously you can add your comments on any of our social media channels or you can send us a voice note through anchor as well um we are really excited um next week to have a couple of events going on so we're really excited to join you next week um to update you on our uh, St. Cyrie's reading challenge um, mm. and hear from some of our readers in school and we're also going to go to an author event um, which you'll be hearing about in our next couple of episodes uh, where we are going to meet 
the author of Pandora, which I believe is like the Waterstones book of the month, or was the Waterstones book of the month. So we're going to go and uh, meet some celebrities and, you know, chill with the A-listers. <laughs> Lit lounge on tour. Yeah. <laughs> we're cruising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rose has her cap at the ready. Oh, yeah. that's so ready That's got her. a Legolas wig. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> my ears. I got need to get some more uh, more glue for my ears, make sure they stay on with I'll all be, of that. I'll ripping my hair back and forth. my chest of drawers along with me. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's just going to bring a box of sand and say that it's June. <laughs> yeah, it's June. Yeah. Yeah. They won't let us in. No. <laughs> it's not going to be a podcast. No, no I'm just going to be recording outside going, so guys, there's a great event going on indoors. <laughs> yeah. We've been blacklisted. <laughs> the bouncers are like, nah. <laughs> oh. yeah, awesome. Um, so we will see you, hear you speak to you next week yeah get um, involved yeah please yeah, do yeah come do. down as well if you're in school come to the library on Monday for our, yeah. our next one we might bring cake no that's <laughs> if we remember such a hard promise <laughs> yeah, <it really> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, cheers everyone and we'll see you in the next one bye Woo! to the lit lounge the podcast for readers and book lovers thanks for joining us remember to join in the conversation by following us on social media using the handles linked in our description you can also leave a voice note to be featured in future episodes through the voice response feature on anchor we'll catch you next time but for now keep reading Music used in this episode and for all of our episodes is created by Ixon. You can download this and other fantastic tracks on SoundCloud. Links are in the description. Mm-hmm.